Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia invites you to join us on the podcast. If you or someone you care about has a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on Dyslexics Wanted. So before we get started with today's show, send us your story. Email me directly. Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, at chartproductions, C-H-A-R-T productions.com, or you can call and leave a message, 781-356-1500. Again, 781-356-1500. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Sandra Carter, all the way from Birmingham, England. Sandra has an awesome story. She's a creative dynamo, the author of a fantasy sci-fi novel called Katora and the Autumn Scrolls of Light, Part 1, The Separation. She's an accomplished artist, musician, and writer. She also has dyslexia and wasn't statemented, as it's known in the UK, to determine she had dyslexia until the age of 40, as you'll hear. Dyslexia, as Sandra puts it, is her gift. She talks with young people often about having it and overcoming its roadblocks to become a novelist. She also works for the Prince's Trust, which supports young people with job training and various developmental programs. She's a director, too, of Body Symphony, a creative arts and media social enterprise. It's mission to educate, entertain, and empower communities through the use of creative media. Dyslexics Wanted, the podcast, welcomes Sandra Carter. I just want to say congratulations. I love talking with authors, and you are a science fiction writer extraordinaire. Congratulations. Thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Is this a dream come true to have books published? It has been. It's been so overwhelming after having the idea when I was in my teens to now be a published author at 50. Um, it's 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 mind-blowing, and I'm excited for things to come. Before we talk about your experience and your life in Great Britain and dealing with dyslexia, which is what the focus of this podcast often is, tell us about the latest book, because it's got a wild title to begin with. Yes. Um, well, the book is entitled Katora and the Autumn Scrolls of Light, Part One, The Separation. Um, it's based on a series. So I wrote a series and I broke it down into three parts. Um the blurb is um, two crazy frequencies hit this planet called Kimi that changed the DNA of the people and the planet. And through that, the frequencies moved to some scrolls and only through the hands of children or a special pure child can unlock these scrolls. But all's not what it seems. Everybody wants to get their hands on the scrolls, but there's something mysterious about the scrolls. This tells me right off the bat that you have a vivid imagination. I have. A lot of friends and um, feedback I've had from the book, people have been saying, like, where did you get all of this from? I was just like, it's just a sheer love and passion of sci-fi and fantasy. Well, that's cool. I, I can wait no longer for the books and the movie series, no doubt, to come. Netflix is probably banging on your door right now. Oh, well, if they're not, Jordan, hopefully they will be after this. <laughs> From our lips to God's ears. Amen. Yes. Sandra, this is so exciting to talk with you because we want to get a perspective how your life has evolved with dyslexia growing up where you're growing up. Why don't we start at the early point when you first knew as a young girl, I assume, that you had this issue, that you had whatever yeah. trouble you had well what I found like say junior school I, I was very creative um and I was great with words but I could not work out the spelling of them and that continued through junior school nobody picked up on anything 
Um, when I went to secondary school, once again, I was affluent with creative arts and drama and all the different areas. Um, but when it came to English literature, it was an issue. And I remember once um, I had an issue with spelling something and I spoke to my teacher and I said, well, how do you spell that? And she said, use the dictionary. And I said, but I don't know how to spell it. I can't even see what it looks like. And they couldn't fathom what I was talking about. So for me, that was it was difficult. It was embarrassing. Um, you get teased a lot where you put, for for instance, the word kitchen. Someone with dyslexia, I would probably not put the T in. Um, so there was little things like that. So I felt very humiliated and embarrassed. However, I wouldn't. I knew there was something wrong, um, but I didn't make it deter me. But it was a very difficult period of time, and then. Going through adolescence, um, I was, my creativity was enabling me to continue pursuing all genres of work from mentorship, development, personal development, all different areas of work I covered. Um, when I got to university was when I got diagnosed with dyslexia. And that was alarming because all throughout my childhood um, of feeling very insecure about reading and spelling. I was now pushed into an environment where you've just got to be quick on the draw. And um, fortunately, I was able to get um, the support to get statemented. And um, that was 2010, if you can imagine. 10 years ago, I got statemented with dyslexia. I was going to say, if we do the math, and I, I hate to bring up age when I'm talking to a lovely lady, but we do the math. You were 40 years old when you got yes. statemented. What does statemented mean in terms in, of in dyslexia? Term, okay, what that basically means, you will undergo a psychological test um, with um, a psychologist. They will do various tests. Um, some of them will be dealing with spelling. Some of them will be dealing with mathematics. Some of them will be dealing with puzzles and also through colours as well. And funny enough, my colours, like one eye is comfortable with blue and one eye is comfortable with green. I mean, sorry, with pink. So if I had glasses, I suppose I have a blue lens and a pink lens and that will help the words from stop jumbling and stuff. So what you do, you go through a series of different tests. And ironically, the hard tests were easy and the easy tests were hard. At first, it's a very a hard place to be when you realize that you are you have got something wrong and I remember before um I was going for the test the assessor said have you got somebody with you and I said why it's not hospital <laughs> but I could understand what she meant because all my life I've been able to um continue you know navigating through life and and, and education and now somebody's telling me yes something is definitely wrong so I felt very disheartened at first after I got the um, statement said you have got this condition and we'll have all these things in place for you in university i.e um, dyslexic tutor to help me with some of my assignments and just checking the grammar and so on I walked away and I felt really awful about myself and um, it just took a minute for me to adjust that okay this is something that I've been dealing with for a long time but now it is true so what are you going to do about it so I just continue to just evolve um, and learn different techniques. Like, for instance, I did a lot of speed reading. I practice speed reading. For some reason, it really sounds crazy, but 
it relaxed my eyes to read. You know, with speed reading, you use you kind of scan down a book. You don't go from left to right. So that style of reading. And that helped me to just feel more comfortable with words, um, reading out words loud. I always say it to young people, read them out loud, fall in love with the word, your voice and everything else like that. And um, I just started to get more confidence and I just started to build up through that. But it was a very difficult time. Let me ask you this, Sandra, how unusual would it be for somebody in your case, 40 years old to be statemented? I mean, it seems really odd that you got through all of that yeah. schooling and career and wasn't that, until, you know, 40 years old that you finally knew what was going on. Yeah. Well, um, like it's one in 10, I believe, that get diagnosed with dyslexia. And um, I really feel this is the thing why I am champion, champion sorry, the... Um, campaign for dyslexia because I work my day job I work for a charity and I've worked with a lot of disadvantaged young people from all walks of life and I've worked with a program that basically looks at young people that are on the verge of exclusion that means basically that they might get kicked out of school and having conversations with girls and guys I, I always get them to write something down so I can see where the level of literature is and how they write. I'd say probably seven out of 10 of them have dyslexia, but have not been statemented, mm. haven't been mm. checked. So if you can imagine, like you, I was saying earlier, when I was younger in school, you feel embarrassed and awkward and stuff. But if you're a child in this era, if you, you know something's wrong, but nobody's really identifying it, you will start getting angry you'll start getting embarrassed and you'll internalize this emotion. And then that internalized emotion turns to anger. And then when it comes to anger, you're not paying attention in school. You're going to start, you know, basically extending that anger into different areas of your life. So there's a lot of different areas of young people's difficulties that are not being seen. And I believe that because of um, not being statemented, they've been put into a wrong position. So, that's one of the things that I am campaigning once the lockdown is over right. to go out there right. and start doing some more works and talks and just trying to continue destroying the stigma. Because although there are support mechanisms out there, there is still a stigma, especially for some adults as well. Yes, we see the same thing here in the States with education being out of balance, particularly for those in minority and poor communities. And I guess yeah. the same the same thing is resulting in, in Great Britain. So yeah. what is the government on a local level or national level doing? Are they doing enough to screen kids early? Uh, what would you like to see happen? I would like to see a lot of the inner city schools getting the right information and at jump when they start, say when they start in secondary school, which is like 10, 10, 11, to get um, a system in where people can start looking at the possibility of some of these young people may have a disability. It could be dyspraxia, it could be dyscalculia, but at the end of the day, it's the opportunity for them to get a proper diagnosis with an area of need that they have to help them move forward. And I also, um, I've um, I've been doing a show basically called um, A Journey Called Future. It's just a talk. I talk to different people who have dyslexia. And what I found, Jordan, was that 
there were so many other students that have not been statemented that were not able to get funding because a lot of the funding routes, as you know, some of them get dried up. Um, so I, I met a group of women and men and I was due to just do a general talk about what it was for you, how, how you've um, been able to move forward in life and what would you like to see in the future? For, so for me, it is more support and, um, you know, creating a, a, a new narrative to it. That's why I'm utilising myself as an, you know, a sci-fi author, fantasy author, and talking to young people about my journey so that they know that you can achieve it too. You mentioned the power of mentorship. You are providing that wonderful gift of mentorship. Did you have those in your life, though, who mentored you that you'd like to chat about? There's so many, Jordan. Um, I was um, a brownie. I was a girl guide. Um, and through that, I joined a youth club called the Church of Redeemer, the Wayne Youth Club. And my mentors came from all diverse backgrounds, black, white, Asian, Chinese. And all of them were just imperative for my development. They were um, absolutely brilliant. I had a lovely lady called Jan. Um, she's a lecturer at Loughborough College, in, I'm sorry, Loughborough University in um, Birmingham. Um, not in Birmingham, but in Loughborough, sorry. And um, I remember once I was going to go for a fashion course and I didn't finish my portfolio and she heard about it. And then I was at home chilling for a bit and then I heard a knock at the door and then my dad went, um, Sam Jan's here. And I went, oh, hi, Jan. She scolded me in front of my mum and dad. White woman, right? We've got all love for her. And she scolded me about not finishing my folder work and... My dad looked at me and said, listen, I'm having nothing to do with you and Jan. Jan, you carry on telling her, you know, what to do. I was like, oh, come on, Jan. She said, look, I believe in you can do this. And um, I sat up night and finished all my folder work for it. It was a fashion course I was doing. No, it was a general art and design I was mm -hmm. doing. And I got in and then I moved forward. So that was just one significant person. On my journey, um, Dr. Johnson was a mentor through um, my university time, and he's still a mentor to me now. An avid um, businessman, entrepreneur, author in his own right. I think he's did probably eight or nine books on economy, economic, and also on looking at businesses and entrepreneurship. A man called Dr. Glenn as well, Martin Glenn. He's um, an avid author as well, and he's worked in criminology he's done various different things and then I would say my mom <laughs> who's 90 who's 90 years old now and she's still here thank god um just encouraging me and my friends and family so there's been um many different mentors even young people what I love about you just meeting you for the first time, Sandra, is you have that sense of leadership and energy. But a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, don't. One of the things I'm taking away from our discussion is you weren't afraid, I think, to ask for help. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you would advise young people to do. What I would say to them first is to be kind to yourself. No one on this planet Earth is perfect. We're imperfectly perfect. And... Don't let the echoes of um, the environment get into your system. So find your own truths and love that and love your journey. 
Um, we all have different tasks and different experiences and different disabilities. Yours happens to be dyslexia, but don't let that become a hindrance. I would say ask for help. Ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. And don't be ignorant to getting constructive criticism because it's only going to empower you and move forward. And um, a biggest thing as well, I'd say really, really enjoy the journey. Accept your disability as a gift. When I accepted it as a gift, no one could tease me about, oh, you're an adult and you can't spell. I go, yeah, okay. And you can't dance. It's like, <laughs> it just doesn't really matter because we're all here to grow and learn. And so I'd just say, enjoy the journey, but make sure you seek out as much help as you can because there's help in different areas for your disability, which is a gift. Finally, in the case of dyslexia, the idea of writing novels would seem to some to be the, the mountain that's impossible to reach. And yet you're a symbol of success, uh, which must make you feel pretty proud. And, and I'm sure a lot of your readers are going to feel the same way for you. It was and it still is a proud moment. Um, I have a great editor, a friend of mine as well, Sam House. And at the beginning, she was like, San, if I see, what was the word now? Um, oh, I could peer, right? She said, I kept putting peer <laughs> in different places. She said, if I see peer one more time, find another word. <laughs> and um, over a period of time of working with her, once again, having the right people around you, we had a laugh and she encouraged me. And she said, I know the second book now that I'm going to edit. I bet you there's going to be hardly any mistakes. It was just the way that I was taught in school wasn't right for a dyslexic mind and um, for us to grasp punctuation and exclamation marks and all that sort of jazz. Um, but it was encouraging to have somebody on my side. And the biggest thing, Jordan, is that I believed in the idea. Um, the idea of the book came from a freestyle. I'm an MC. Um, I do music. I'm a music producer, but that's another story. Um, and um, one night I was with my girlfriends and I was, was all freestyling as we did on a Friday night to just, you know, get our care, cares away. And um, I just started to freestyle about Kotora. And there was the idea. For me with dyslexia, what I said to myself, like I was saying earlier to young people, just write it, just write it. So I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I didn't know that I had more than one book in the manuscript. It was my editor that said, Sandra, this isn't a book. And I was like, what do you mean? Is it rubbish? And she said, no, you've got three more or less in here. So I, we started to work on the first part of it. So um, it was, you know, having the right support around you gives you an encouragement. And I really wanted to see it born, you know, so, and, it, and it, had, it has been born. The thing about science fiction that's always been very close to my heart is the fact that it, for the most part, is very hopeful. I mean, the future yes. is hopeful. Final point I'd love to have you expound on is your sense of hope for the future of our students around the world, not just in Britain or the U.S., now that we're talking about this, now that we're I mean, opening like, up. Great opportunities like your show and the amazing interviews that I've seen previously of what you've been doing in regards to letting people have a voice and a platform. That's an amazing start. Um, what I do hope for is that the government and the people that can um, orchestrate more support get involved. And for people that have it to speak up, because there's some people that are basically unable to read and write at a very adult age in their, you know, in their life. So it's 
it's what I'd like to see. I'm hopeful that the conversation gets bigger and bigger and bigger um, and um, the support is there. Well, with your help and your guidance and your wonderful works of fiction, it will certainly propel this uh, movement forward. Thank you so much, my dear. It's lovely to meet you. And pleasure, Jordan. I'm so humbled and grateful for you guys having me. It's wonderful. Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. And once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org.